This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's get it going on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, a part of the Fanside Podcasting Network and ArrowheadAttic.com. I'm Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. Joining me as always is my co-host Sterling Holmes. Sterling, what's up? You can find him on Twitter at HomestretchKC. But Sterling, how was your trip last week? Oh, it was outstanding. It was so much fun. Went to my grandparents' tiny town in Indiana. Uh, on the way there, we stopped at my cousin's uh, lake house. They got a little lake in the middle of nowhere uh, in Illinois. So that was extremely exciting. Try to water ski for the first time. I swallowed probably about three feet of water. Uh, you know, I was just eating it every single time I fell. Uh, I got to see the large or the world's largest rocking chair and mailbox. So all in all, I don't think there's a better trip to be had. How about that? The world's largest rocking chair and mailbox. I don't know what you would need a big yeah. mailbox for, but I, I guess yeah. this way every every single Amazon delivery is put right in your mailbox instead of left out. I mean, <laughs> it was fun though. It, it was very uh, goobery. You know, when you think of seeing the world's largest mailbox, most people probably wouldn't drive two hours out of the way to do it. But guess what? Me, my girlfriend, my mom did, and it was worth all those two hours. Well, something that's not worth two hours we're going to talk about later on with the NFL ball. But let's start with the lead story in Kansas City, and that is Larry Duvernay Tardif has opted out to keep battling COVID on the front lines. Of course, he's a doctor. Even if the NFL will not allow him to put that on his jersey, he's still a doctor. For me, it comes down to this is a fantastic move. Anyone that wants to opt out for any reason – should absolutely be respected no matter what it is, but especially when you're going to go battle this on the front lines and try to help people, that puts it into even uh, a, a larger degree of, of earning respect and props and things like that. Uh, for me, credit to Larry. If he would have opted out just to stay home, I would have said credit to him as well, but whenever you put into perspective what he's doing, it, it's impressive stuff. I mean, this is unbelievable. Talk about a feel-good story. Talk about something that's, that's making a difference too. I mean, like you said, if you opt out for any reason, I am all for it. I understand people have circumstances, uh, you know, players just having kids, players that have underlying conditions. I understand not wanting to play, but LDT not playing and using his doctorate for, for good and to help others just speaks volumes about his character. Um, I think it was very impactful that he was the first one. I think it's very impactful because – it opens the doors to other players 
who potentially have felt nervous about not wanting to play, but felt they were trapped because they didn't want to feel like they were the first ones or letting their team down. So I think LDT not only is helping uh, himself and helping others by joining the front lines, but by him being the first one, I think it opened the floodgates to other players who felt uncomfortable finally speak out and say, you know what, I am uncomfortable at playing. And seeing that LDT and others now around the league are following suit, I think it makes them feel a little better and maybe a little less pressure on themselves to just play the season out, even under uh, clouds of uncertainty. And you're right, because football is not like these other sports. There is that pressure. I mean, they they play through brain injuries. I mean, they they play through brain injuries for a game. Whenever you opt out of the NBA or the MLB, I mean, you you get – you get a little tight quad and you're done for two weeks in the NBA. I mean, you get a splinter on your ring finger in the MLB. You're on the, you're on the 10 day IL. I mean, so it's a lot easier to set out of those sports. There's not that uh, challenging of your manhood, that, that old school mentality that there is in football. So seeing guys opt out like Larry, I think did prove to young guys and to uh, players around the league. Hey, it's okay. This is, this is not letting your team down. This is doing what's best for you as an individual. And, that's what I've been saying on Lockdown Thunder with the NBA. Any player that opts out, even though there's a championship on the line, this is the time to be selfish. This is the time to look at yourself uh, and your family and only make a decision based off that. Not if your team can win, not if your team can't win. What's best for you and your family? And Larry did that. Uh, other players have done that. And I think that this is great. I, again, I think that for any reason that you sit out, it's great. But for Larry, there's going to be so many good stories that come from this. Uh, and, and it's awesome to see that he has a true passion for being, I mean, you don't go through medical school without your passion, but you know, he has um, an ability to not only care about football, but care about something else. And that's something, another thing that football players have struggled with. Football players have struggled with finding an identity outside of football. And you're seeing that happen more and more. Uh, and Larry obviously has a huge identity outside of football now as, as he's battling COVID on the front lines. So I will say this. I don't know what Bill Belichick is up to, but I think he's up to something in uh, New England having all of these players and especially these big time, big name players opt out. I don't know if Bill Belichick said, you know what, if you're going to opt out, you better do it now. So that way I know what I'm working with. Or if Bill Belichick is telling guys like Patrick Chung uh, and um, I'm trying to blank on the, their linebacker. Dante Hightower. Uh, yeah. The, the guy who yeah, Hightower who calls the plays. If he just said, you know what, if you're good, sit out. So that way we can tank for Trevor Lawrence. But it something doesn't sit right with me in New England right now. With, with Belichick, it always makes you question, what is the other motive? <laughs> so bringing the sound of the football things, so I think that we've got all the, the you know, qualifiers out of the way. Good for Larry. Respect Larry. Respect every single player uh, around the NFL who's sitting out for any reason. But bring it back to football. If we do have football this season, does losing Larry change anything for you on the field in the sense of, dramatically change it I mean obviously you're going to have a, da- a downgrade there as your starting guard but does the win-loss total change does the expectations change after this loss uh, does anything on the field change for you losing Larry yeah, I want to say it's the nicest way possible because I'm so glad what LDT is doing but no uh, it does not change uh, anything for me as far as I don't even think the on-field uh, offensive line product changes very much if, if at all I mean, the, in my opinion, the Chiefs have a pretty deep offensive line. Obviously, Fisher and Swartz are the anchors, uh, especially on Swartz. I, I think LDT had a pretty down year last year. Uh, I, I didn't expect him to necessarily bounce back this year. I like some of the young guys. 
Uh, I would like to see Lucas Niang see what he can uh, see what he can do. I know he's a tackle, but if they can swing him into guard, I would love to see him and give give him a chance to see what he can do. Um, I honestly, the offensive line was better last year when Wiz stepped in. You know, so I'm not crushed by this loss. I think it's great for LDT, but as far as the on-field product, I think that the Chiefs are well equipped to find someone to fill his spot. Oh, and by the way, Martinez Rankin. I, Martinez Rankin needs to get a shot this year. This is the best way for Rankin to be a starter. Um, to be honest, it, it, I think it's almost good in a way. I think Kansas City, if everyone stays COVID-free, getting Rankin some reps, getting Wiley, move, move him back to right guard, I think, well, this could almost be a, a little upgrade. And I, I think that you're right. I think that nothing truly changes for me. And, and it sounds like we're kind of dogging the player of Larry. I just think that this team is too good. And as you said, the depth, this is normally a position you don't have a lot of depth at, uh, but I think that there could have been a legitimate battle in camp for this spot here. I think that Larry would have ultimately won out being the veteran, things like that. But uh, again, like you mentioned, I don't think he was the clear cut top of the line guy in that group in that pack of Rankins and Yang and all those guys. So for me, this team should still run it back. This team should still uh, be favored to win the Super Bowl. This team should still have the same offensive production and even offensive line production that you mentioned. But before we get into a Debbie Downer story, let's talk about Patrick Mahomes because that automatically, that, that name puts a smile on everyone associated with the Kansas City Chiefs. But now it puts a smile on everyone associated with the Kansas City Royals because now he's bought in to the ownership group of the Kansas City Royals, which is now like 30 people deep. I mean, half of Kansas City uh, has a stake in the Royals now. Uh, if you had Patrick Mahomes' money, what would you do with it? Would you buy a stake in the Royals, the Chiefs? Would you buy a, a huge mansion? What would you do if I gave you Mahomes' contract to do this podcast? You could have, you could have, you could have said, buy, uh, you stopped at your stake. I probably would have bought a stake. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, buy a nice filet and just put the rest in the savings. I'd probably uh, buy a lake house, you know, nothing fancy. Get a, get a couple of jet skis. Um, then I'd probably, I think I like what Mahomes did, buy in into a sports team especially Kansas City, I think it's probably a little cheaper to buy in the Kansas City, the Royals, than it would be the Yankees. And I think it's awesome as a fan seeing your star player buy into the city even more than he already has, which seemed almost impossible. So as a fan, it's glorious. For Mahomes, it's awesome because if he can bring the Royals back some uh, relevancy, they are one of the smallest markets. If they can grow at all, I'm sure his money is going to be working pretty solid for him as far as getting a good return on investment. If he can get some players to come to Kansas City as well, whether even it is draft picks, because baseball does work differently, where you have some guys that want to go over the, the, uh, the draft signing um, slot, some guys, you know, and if you have Mahomes in that uh, interview talking to him, every single high schooler is going to say, you know what, let's listen to Patrick Mahomes. You know, every single kid high school is going, you know what, I'll sign right at the draft slot. I don't want any extra money as long as Mahomes is here and maybe Mahomes gives me a signed ball. You know, just something even as small as that, I think, could potentially have an impact on these guys. And I think for Mahomes, I mean, has, can you work your career any better than this? Six years ago, uh, you're a baseball prospect. Now you're a baseball owner. And he's done everything right. He's got the apparel deal. And he still, by the way, hasn't cashed in on that apparel deal. If you remember, he signed with Adidas right out of college and Oakley quickly after his first year as a starter. And since then, he's gotten even more of a bigger brand around him to where the next time that he needs to re-sign with a company like that, they're going to have to pay him an exuberant amount of money. 
So he's going to be making a ton of money off the field, a ton of money on the field, whatever you net back from the Royals ownership group. And for him, life after football, you look at, at guys in the NBA and, and uh, other players around sports, Derek Jeter, where they do want to become uh, part of a majority ownership group. Kevin Garnett trying to buy the Timberwolves. Uh, Derek Jeter again with the Marlins. This is a start for Mahomes to, to kind of get in there. And even the Royals majority uh, owner, uh, Sherman, he was a minority owner for the Indians for like 10 years before this offseason when he bought the team from class. So setting the foundation there uh, for Mahomes is going to be awesome for him in the future, uh, having that experience with the ownership group and, and knowing what it takes and what you're going to need uh, business-wise and a, a group-wise to go and, for, and go ahead and buy a team. And I will say this. Now, this has been something thrown out on Twitter, uh, but I truly believe just – from what I'm here with the NBA, uh, you know, being in the in these weird circles now with Locked On, I truly believe the league's going to expand. I ex- I expect the league to expand. Uh, Seattle obviously is going to be a deadlock for an NBA team. Another one in the mix is Kansas City. I mean, they have the T-Mobile Arena now. That's since they've merged with Sprint, so they have the T-Mobile Arena. They have Mahomes with a ton of money. Uh, they have a a market star for the NBA. Maybe you can see that pipe dream come true of Mahomes being part of a a big group that helps bring the NBA uh, to Kansas City. So if you want to get excited about that before we go into a Debbie Downer segment, I've put it out there for you. Well, I will get excited because I've been saying since high school, I tried doing like a high school project and something in college about trying to see the actual value of a team coming to Kansas City. I do think Kansas City is probably second in line uh, behind Seattle, of course, to land an NBA team. Everyone already gives the first team to Seattle. That's pretty much a lock. Second team, you have, in my opinion, about three real true options as far as tier one. Kansas City, Las Vegas, because everyone wants to be in Vegas right now. Apparently Vegas is just a hot thing to do. And the other one is Louisville. Uh, Louisville already has a market. They're a little smaller than Kansas City, but they already have the Yum Center. They have a very, very passionate fan base as far as basketball when it comes to Kentucky, when it comes to Louisville, when it comes to Indiana. I would not be surprised if those are the top three teams that you'd be looking at uh, for landing uh, an NBA team next. Yeah, Kansas City is absolutely in the mix for an NBA team. And you look at those markets, I I don't think that the NBA uh, would take Las Vegas that seriously, not because they're a terrible market, but because you see the competition of now the Raiders, uh, now the uh, NHL team, the Golden Knights, whatever they're called, uh, and that's another team firmly in the West Coast. Where with Kansas City, you, you can really make the argument that they're they should be in the East with Chicago. I mean, you can re you can realign things, and nothing would kind of seem out of the ordinary uh, to put Kansas City in either in either conference because you know Seattle will have to be in the West. Uh, and well, even you got New Orleans already in the West. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. NBA, as far as the line, it, it, it's it's messed up. Yeah, there, there's Orleans no real the line, but Vegas can't Vegas cannot border that line. New Orleans, Chicago, Kansas City, they can border either way you want to go here. Las Vegas can't. If you do Las Vegas, you, you've just added two Western teams, and we need to move somebody to the East. We, we need to move some teams to the East now and, and kind of just blow this whole thing up uh, for, for, from that standpoint. Uh, and then you go to Louisville, as you mentioned. I think that you look at those two markets. I think that these are the two true contenders for me. I think that Kansas City is a better um, place and a better uh, place in terms of the NBA getting revenue from that place in Kansas City. I also think they have less competition uh, because in Louisville, you have two college programs that are going to sell out and that are going to be true to life competition for you as an NBA product night in and night out. That is a rabid basketball fan base for sure. But 
It's a rabid college basketball fan base. And well, Kansas I think Kansas City, City has the same KU. problem. Well, you only have K. I don't think they have a problem with it with Missouri and K State, though. I think that those fans of those teams would pick the NBA night in and night out than going to Columbus or, or Manhattan. Now, you're going to lose KU fans for at least half the season, but that's not two colleges. That's only one. Whereas in Louisville, you're going to lose Kentucky and Louisville fans for half the season. That's fair. And you also probably lose some Indiana fans as well. I mean, IU is, I got an uncle with a Who's Your Daddy tattoo on his arm. You know, the spelled Hoosier is in, you know, H-O-O-S-I-E-R inside of a Fleming basketball. So I understand the college basketball passion down there as well. But if, if Mahomes can bring an NBA team to Kansas City, uh, he, mayor, elect him, you know, king of Kansas City, whatever you want to call it. Let him be the emperor, whatever you want, whatever you want to title him. Because Mahomes, if he brings a Whataburger, he owns part ownership in the Royals. And now if he brings an NBA team, the only other thing you could possibly think of is maybe NHL. But at that point, we're just getting, you know, cherry on top of cherries. Yeah, and I think that, listen, if, if Kansas City is the pick for the NBA, and this isn't some, you know, this isn't some out-of-the-box wacky segment we're doing. I mean, this is legitimately happening within NBA walls of expanding the league. And then you mentioned these are the tiers. These are the cities that can get one. And I think that Kansas City is the best case before Louisville, before Las Vegas, before any of these teams. If, if this happens, you, you better believe Mahomes will have at least some stake in the ownership group. Something. If, if he's going to buy a stake of the Royals, he might even sell that and, and jump right into the NBA. He loves the NBA. He loves basketball. I think that it'd be good. And then another thing, too, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, Indiana and things like that in Kentucky. There's no true stronghold in Kansas City for the NBA. And that was the risk with coming to Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City was a they, – they truly – did have a stronghold. Dallas, the Dallas Mavericks did have a stronghold on Oklahoma as a whole. So it was a risk for, for Clay Bennett and, and all of them to bring Seattle to Oklahoma City and this team here because they didn't know if they could overtake the years and years and years of rooted interest in Dallas. In Kansas City, it's kind of a mixed bag. If you're an NBA fan, you might just, you might just be period an NBA fan and just watch everything. Or you might be a Denver fan. You might be an Oklahoma City fan. You, know, you, you might be all over the map here. There's no real stronghold uh, in Kansas City, I think in Kentucky, you're, you're really looking at that, at that Pacer squad as a stronghold there in that market. Yeah, no, no, I, I definitely think you could be looking at Indiana. I just think that as far as venue already set, I think as far as population, the only reason why I said Vegas and the main reason why I say Vegas is obviously popping off right now. You know you would probably sell out games. You know you'd probably sell a game. That's, that's pretty much a lock. The problem is they're not going to be fans of that team. Think of it almost as like the Miami, like Miami. Miami technically sells out, but the fans show up late. They leave early. They use it as almost a uh, look at me, I'm here. Vegas, in my opinion, would be the exact same way. Somehow the Lakers have built up a, enough of a look at me, I'm here, and I'm going to stay because I'm actually passionate. Miami's not been able to do that, and I think Vegas would probably fall in that same ilk of the Miami Heat. And I don't know if the NBA wants another one of that. Again, they get the money, but at some point, it almost becomes a joke of they just leave early. They, 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 it's just not a great, passionate fan base. And I think we'll probably see that even with the, uh, you know, the Vegas Raiders. I think we'll see the exact same thing happen. And on, on top of all of that, Vegas is not going to support a loser. And I know it's funny to say this as we're talking about Mahomes and uh, the Royals and, and their attendance numbers being god awful even in 2014, but. They're not, but Kansas City would rally around an NBA team and they'd go support an NBA team during the cold winter. They'd go down to the T Mobile Center, they'd hang out at Power and Light, whatever you want to do. 
they they would still support a team that was at least trying to win, especially if you can get a couple uh, of Kansas guys or, or Missouri guys who, of course, not Joel Embiid type, but, you know, if you can pull together uh, a Kelly Oubre or something like that, him alone would, would be a big uh, benefit to a market like, like uh, Kansas City to where I don't think that Vegas would give a damn, honestly, uh, about a rebuilding team or, or get invested into the ride of becoming good. Because in the NBA, uh, you know, you can see it. You, you, you can start to see the growth of, of your players and the rise of your players. And that's something that Kansas City as a market, I think, would get behind more so than Vegas. And then that's where you compete with Louisville because they do the same thing. So I think it's really between Louisville and Kansas City. I think Kansas City, just the downtown scene, what they've done as a city to really overhaul that and make themselves a legitimate uh, market and a legitimate place to be and a legitimate city. I think that, I think that they have the edge and, and it's not a for sure thing. I think the only for sure thing in expansion is Seattle. Uh, but you also look at the NBA having that Vegas summer league. So they do get a little bit of that Vegas uh, money there. And then as you mentioned, it, is it worth it to not have invested fans? Cause invested fans, can go away quickly if you don't provide them a winner. Uh, you know, non-invested fans, if they're only there to make a scene, give them, give them a couple 20 lost seasons, you know, and, and they'll be kind of waning off of that already. So I, I don't think that we'll see Vegas, but it's, it's a possibility. It really is. But let's move back into the NBA, uh, NFL circle, excuse me. Uh, it's time to have a Debbie Downer segment. I didn't want to do this. I really didn't. But that's pretty much the only thing we've talked about on Twitter and, and NFL you know, uh, articles and things like that. First of all, there's this narrative that media members are rooting against sports to happen, which is odd. But this NFL season is in jeopardy, I think. Let's start with the bubble idea. And I'm, I'm going to give you my thoughts on the NFL bubble, but I want to hear yours. We did not talk about this before the show, so I have no idea where you're going to go with this bubble thing. But we have to remember that the bubble in the NBA is working, which is good. But the bubble in the NBA for half of those teams is a month for the next half of teams is two months. The only teams that will be inside this bubble for a three month stretch or until, you know, mid October are the Lakers, the Bucks, the Clippers, and probably the Raptors. That's the only teams that are really going to be without their families from early July until mid October. The rest of them will go in early July. They've already been there in early July and they'll leave in mid August. And, and that'll be it. And that'll be the bubble experience for them. And then two weeks after that, you'll see another wave of them gone. And then it'll be dwindled down to only the true competitors. That's a lot different than playing an entire season. We've got this narrative that, that the NBA's is so great with their bubble. They're also not asking their players to leave their family for the length of an entire season and postseason. That's not what's happening here. And they still had issues getting their PA to sign off on doing this, on, on leaving and sacrificing and isolating their family inside of a bubble and leaving their family for the bubble. I, I don't see how this can happen for a 16-game season, a 17-game season, and, and plus the postseason. There's just no way it can happen in terms of making your players do it and what facility can hold NFL games on their turf over and over and over again all week, every single day. Uh, and... and 
you know, sun up to sundown because you're going to need a facility to hold this. The beautiful thing about the NBA is Disney World had three facilities. They had three arenas uh, that can hold the basketball games and can hold NBA basketball games. And in basketball, you can't ruin the hardwood. I mean, you can't, you, you can't make the field unplayable the way you can in football if you're going to run up and down the field uh, from sun up to sundown on the same field with NFL athletes. You're not going to do that uh, with, with basketball. And then you can turn convention centers into practice facilities in the NBA uh, for practices. You can't do that with football either. I don't see a bubble plan where, A, you get players to say, okay, I'm willing to opt in and leave my family and isolate for uh, you know, a, a three, four, five-month period here. And, B, where you can have enough football fields. Where can you find enough football fields to make this happen? So, to me, the bubble idea, would it work? Yes, bubbles will work automatically. Is it feasible? And is it likely? No, there, there's just too many obstacles, I think, to hold a bubble unless you want to break this schedule down uh, and, and say, okay, for the first four weeks, we're going to bubble together the AFC West. You're going to get all of your division games out of the way here in these four weeks. And then we're going to take a two-week break in the season, re-bubble you with the first-place teams all go here. The second-place teams all go here. That's just – there's too many hurdles to me to get an NFL bubble to happen. It's not even a chance. I mean, it's 0% chance. Fine, I won't say zero. I'll say 0.5 or something silly because never say never. It's just not happening. It's, it's so unfeasible, so unrealistic of doing a bubble in the NFL. I mean, if baseball couldn't do it because baseball is bigger than the NBA and it's bigger than MLS, the NFL is, you know, twice, three times the size of that. That is just not happening. It's just not feasible no matter how much we want that to happen so that way football can go on, it's just too unrealistic. Um, the NFL's best chance of doing that is having strict guidelines for players in each city. It's making sure players literally probably don't leave their rooms, making sure the players, are, you know, they're not pulling a Lou Williams and going to strip clubs for wings. You know, whatever they have to do, you got to do. But we got to remember at the end of the day, these are some young guys. Young guys don't like to be told what to do. Especially young, young guys, guys with a lot of money. Exactly. Young guys with a lot of money, they don't like being told what to do, especially when they feel like they are the kings on top of the world. They feel they're untouchable. They don't want to do this. So it's going to be difficult. Uh, there's going to be cases. I, my, my best guess is the NFL is going to end up worse than Major League Baseball, just my, just my gut feeling because there's more players, more chance. We saw what happened to Miami Marlins. We've seen what happened to them. If that trend continues, I mean, baseball has already talked about potentially what's going to happen. Are they going to shut down baseball because of one team? Well, the NFL has more players. And, you know, again, it's different in baseball because the Marlins and they're so bad. You know, they're already putting out a double-A product anyways. Um, if you're the NFL – you can't afford that. That's too much revenue loss. For Miami, it's okay. Major League Baseball can, can contain that. You can't in the NFL. So, bubble's not realistic. The best chance is hopefully they get some, some sort of medication, some sort of help um, that allows the NFL season to go on. I, don't, I still don't think that there's going to be fans. If there are, it's going to be extremely uh, limited. It's just not a good situation for sports in general right now. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be fans. And if you think that the only way to do sports is inside of a bubble, I would agree with you. But that means that there's no football, at least not in the fall. To me, if I was Roger Goodell, look, I would just have to say, we're going to come back in January and hope that this is better. 
and we might need to we might need to shorten the season. We might need to do something else, but I don't see a way you can play in the fall. I, I really don't because we can't do a bubble. Um, and then you get down the line of, as you mentioned, 53 players at minimum you're counting on to do everything perfectly. And even when people do everything perfectly, you can still just get it by happenstance. You want know, going to the grocery store, having food dropped off at your house so you can literally eat and then survive. I mean, even if you're staying inside your house, there's still a risk, but I, I just don't see this happening. And you have so many, uh, you know, you just have so many variables of not being able to do the bubble uh, toy the bubbles out. So if you think that that's going to be the only way to do sports, you just don't think the NFL is going to be played this year. And I would have to agree with you. I just don't see a way this season happens because I, I just don't think you can do what baseball is doing in the uh, NFL. I don't think you can do what baseball is doing in baseball, especially when you see that they're not even enhancing or they're not even enforcing protocols on the field. Uh, Salvador Perez is spitting behind home plate. Dusty Baker is taking his mask off to spit. You're not supposed to spit. Uh, they're high-fiving. You're not supposed to high-five. If they can't even enforce the eyewash they're giving us, uh, you know, uh, the, the PR they're giving us, if they can't even enforce that, what are they doing off the field? Are they even doing anything uh, to try to stop this off the field? I, I don't know the move here from football outside of delaying the season, and then you get into messing up two seasons or three seasons uh, by not being able to get back on track uh, and on schedule with the fall plan. I, I don't know what you do in the NFL, and I certainly don't know what you do with high school and college. So what do you think? Is there going to be a season this year? Yes, I do think there's a season. Um, I, I do think it's going to be a season. I think it's going to be more or less what we've seen with baseball. Uh, I think there are going to be contingencies in place where if a certain percentage of a team gets the virus, either they have to forfeit the game, uh, either they have to, you know, quarantine for two weeks, then reassess as far as do they make the game up later on uh, in the season. It'll probably be if, – if it were up to me, I would say just make a couple extra bye weeks just in case. Kind of how uh, Major League Baseball will have those off days so they can make up double headers, especially early on in the season. NFL, I think, should probably take a, a page from that book and implement that. Obviously, you can't do double headers, but I mean extra weeks that were available that could be buys, but basically insurance for, for uh, extra COVID cases. I, I do think the NFL happens. I just think there's too much money in the line. I know they're not starting yet, so they haven't necessarily have to make a decision just yet. But with baseball, it's only really been the Marlins. It's only been one team, and it's been in a hot spot as far as Florida. It's, I don't want to say it's, a, it's good news, but it's, it's decent news as far as Major League Baseball is concerned that the major outbreak has been in a major outbreak, outbreak city. NFL has a lot more time on their hands. They can get somewhat contained this virus a little bit more maybe the cities don't have as much outbreaks and we'll only see one or two cases pop up on a team. To me, it's too early to tell, but my gut feeling, I guess, still says, still says football is being played this year. I think that they're going to try, but I'm not sure if we're going to get a Super Bowl champion this year because of the, because of the uh, factors of COVID and whatnot. And it's unpredictable. Like you said, this could all uh, balance out before September 10th. This could all, uh, swing the other way by September 10th whenever the season is projected to be started. I think that's a good idea to go ahead and have a a built-in, the same way you have a built-in bye week for the Super Bowl, before the playoffs start, you you get two weeks off before uh, your your first playoff game. And, and in that time, you make up any game that got missed because of COVID. Uh, so if there's games to be played, then great. If there's not, then you get two weeks off to 
if you have a player test positive in week 17, uh, go ahead and, and get him healthy and ready to go. Uh, if you don't, go ahead and rest up. Uh, but there's got to be a plan for to make up these games because there's only 16 of them. In baseball, if you miss a week of games, uh, even in a 60-game season, the win percentage still still can tell the story of the season. Absolutely. In football, if you miss one of 16, I don't know if that will be a legitimate uh, winning percentage in terms of telling you how good that team was because one game can dramatically change your outlook on your season. I mean, again, look at last year for the Chiefs. If the Dolphins don't upset the Patriots, they're not a one seed. I mean, I mean they're not a bye week team, excuse me. I, I think that in the NFL, you do need to have that contingency plan to make up games. The problem is if you miss multiple games per team, that would be just devastating. Uh, I do wonder too, uh, as you mentioned, we've only seen a problem with the Marlins, and uh, there's still mixed reports of if they got it actually in Miami or if they got it in Atlanta or if they got it in Philadelphia. I don't think – I think Philadelphia is out. I think that that story was stupid because you can't – I don't think you can test positive that quickly for a short amount of time that they were in uh, Philadelphia. But can you move the Dolphins somewhere to, to where, uh, just like the Jets and the Giants play at the same stadium, could you share with you know the Marlins and – uh, insert team here. The, the Falcons can play in the same stadium. I don't know. Uh, play them in the same place as someone else and alternate the weeks just like you do in New York and in other places like that. I know it'd be a, a lot to change schedules like that so soon, but it might be something to keep the season going if the problem is going to be Miami, which so far it has been. I, I think everything is on the table. I, I think the NFL will look at every possible scenario and situation to make sure the NFL season goes on. Too much money is at stake, and as sad as that is, NFL is a business. They got to make money. We all want to say, you know, these organizations care about the players' health. They don't. If they, if they truly cared about all the players' health, you know, they would have taken a stand on concussions a long time ago. They were taking a stand on a lot of different issues a long time ago. While I, you can say maybe they're, they're trying to improve that, I think the NFL, in my opinion, almost cares more about PR as far as how they look as far as what's actually going on. So to me, as long as they can somehow spin this to make it seem like they have it somewhat under control, the NFL will go to damage control. They'll try to make the season go on. And as long as the, the, the media and as long as the fans understand or kind of on the NFL side, they'll go through with this. And I think that the NFL is in a good position too. If we want to shift this into a positive thing, they can put their entire season on hold. We'd still talk about it we'd still give them attention. We'd still be waiting with bated breath for them to get back. If baseball put the entire season on pause, we would quickly, especially now, find something else. Basketball starting, the NHL is starting, the MLS is starting. We would quickly find something else. There's nothing else than football. Football is king, and it remains king. And no matter what's going on in the world, would we be waiting for football, for football to return? So even if they see one team get an outbreak, they can pause it for two weeks or however long uh, and regroup and reset. Okay, let's play football again. Uh, and in football, yeah, you know, it might suck to, to be put on pause in terms of your momentum, if you believe in that sort of thing. But in football, unlike most sports, rest is always good. I mean, there, there's rarely ever a time where you say, oh, man, if it wasn't for that bye week, we would have we really went on a run there. You know, I wouldn't have lost my, my shooting form. I wouldn't have lost my fastball. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have uh, lost my momentum at the plate. Football rest is always 100% of the time a good thing. So I think – And Andy Reid after a bye. Exactly. I think for every point, <laughs> you're willing to pause. And if you need to adjust five weeks after that, then that's fine as well. But I think that for this sport in general, if you get a Miami Dolphins outbreak, 
I think they can just take a step back and say, look, we're going to do everything right. We're going to stop the entire season. And then we talk for a week about praising them. And then we talk for another week about, you know, what we, what we just watched. And we talk for another week about what we're going to see uh, previewing the upcoming schedule. And they would never leave the news cycle. And they would never leave the, the attention span of America to where they're fine with stopping the season and restarting it. Because again, again, the sport matters a lot in this, not just their popularity. The sport of football can start, stop and start. And a lot of times you're doing a lot of good if you do let teams stop and regroup. So I think that in, on a positive note to end here, if they start the season, which, I, which we both think that they will, they have the best chance to, to finish the season because of all those factors of being able to stop and start. And every weather is football weather. I mean, sunny and 75, football weather. It's a, it's a torrential downpour, football weather. It's a snowball, football weather. It's a fog bowl, football weather. I mean, they're, they're fine with any conditions outside of lightning to where nothing matters. Just keep delaying the season for all they care. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, any weather works. They can make any season work. I, I, I mean, I hope it happens. I, I hope it happens. I'm, I'm holding my breath. I, I got my fingers crossed, holding my breath. And if the NFL goes underway, watch out fantasy football. Got to go for another championship. I, I'm sure it's been said before, but isn't it funny that the Chiefs won a Super Bowl and the world ends? Like how many people in their lifetime said uh, the world will end before the Chiefs win or, or when pigs fly, the Chiefs will finally win a Super Bowl? It's kind of happened. I mean, they win a Super Bowl and everything goes haywire here. Or they won before it happened, so I guess they were wrong. You know, they said the world would end before it happened. Well, they won, and, and now that it's happening. The world. We're so, done now. <laughs> so now everything we're done. We need to now, yeah. the, the world goes, you know what? We've seen it all. We've seen what we needed to see. Let's call it a day. Oh, man. Well, hopefully the, there will still be a world in February, and the Chiefs will win yet another Super Bowl. I think it will happen. Oh, <laughs> I think so, too. I mean, I, if there's any team better to repeat, this is the team. They got Mahomes, got Chris Jones, 20 of 22 returning starters. You got to love it. Well, Sterling, tell me what you got going on this week. Oh, man. Uh, not a ton this week. Um, going to be doing some daily shows with Darren Smith. Uh, it'll be on ESPN Kansas City's Facebook page, do some Facebook Live updates. We'll have some great guests. We've had Adam Teicher in the past. Um, Michelle Tafoya's been on. Been a lot of fun. Uh, gonna actually put on Arrowhead Attic this week, put out a breakout. Guys who I think are gonna break out for the Kansas City Chiefs. Some names may surprise you. Don't worry, I have CEH on there. I have Hilaire. That's that's the the one you'll get. But there's three others on there that I think may surprise some people. So um, read that, tune in. Uh, should be a fun week. What about yourself? Oh, you know, just baseball's in full swing, pun intended. Well, at least for the Central Division, it's in full swing. Not so much on the East Coast, but uh, I got that going on at Locked On Royals. Uh, basketball starting. Real games are starting this weekend. Uh, so Locked On Thunder will get heated up, and then we'll catch you up to date right here on Airhead Podcast with everything you missed with the Chiefs. Uh, and next week, let's dive into your breakout article, because I'm interested uh, to read that on airheadact.com. Love it. Thanks, Rylan. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on podcast. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, 
which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.